Philemon. What? Book of Philemon. You got your Bibles? Pull it out. We're going to have a look at that. I'm going to pray. Philemon. Philemon. Who says Philemon? Who says Philemon? Oh, I think Philemon wins. I might have to change my whole message. Let's, uh, let's uh, pray and we'll go. Philemon. There's a third option. Who says Philemon? Nah, three people. Sorry, you guys are out. We'll go with Philemon. Because that's what most people... We're going to pray. It's like Isaiah or Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to laugh. And as we come to your word, God, we thank you that you've spoken to us in your word, and that is the words of life, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, we thank you that it's through your word that you speak and you reveal our hearts. You show us our need for you, Jesus, and you show us how wonderful you truly are. As we come to your word this morning, Father, speak to us, change us, open us, um, challenge us, and may we live differently because of what we hear today. We pray for that breakfast program too, God, that opportunity that will have heaps of volunteers and it will take off and it will be a kingdom impact in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, it was about two years ago, um, I, I made a phone call to a, to a colleague outside this church, and I rang him because I had a, a difficulty with another colleague, and I wasn't sure how to deal with it, so I rang him up and asked his advice. Now, when I started the conversation, I started by saying, this needs to be a confidential conversation. This ne- is, is that okay? And he goes, that's fine, confidential is fine. And then I went on and told him the situation, and he told me some, gave me some advice, and I finished by saying, hey, I just want to reiterate, this needs to be a confidential conversation. That's fine. No, no worries. Well, the next day, I get, a, I get an email from the colleague that the phone call was about. And the email was like, Nathan, you did, and accused me of all these horrible, horrible things. And so I picked up the telephone and rang the colleague that I spoke to the day before, and he didn't answer his phone, went to voicemail. And I, and I left a, funny that, and I left a voicemail saying, hi, it's Nathan. Um, we had a conversation yesterday that I asked to be confidential. I received an email from the person, and it seems like um, you've shared something. I'd just like to talk to you about that. Um, can you give me a call back? Well, that was two years ago, and nothing's come back. I've seen that, um, that colleague um, on pastor, but he's a pastor, um, not in our church. On, on, on two separate occasions, about once every year, I see him at, the, at a conference. And the last two times I've seen him, he's seen me from a distance, and then he's turned, I've, we've connected, and then he's done these ones and gone, gone this way. Gone this way. Um, no doubt there's embarrassment, or I'm guessing embarrassment on his side, but there's a bit of hurt and a bit of um, frustration on, on, on my side. Here's a question for you this morning. How do you respond when someone hurts you? When someone breaches confidentiality? When someone says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, doesn't do what they say they're going to do? That's a difficult one, isn't it? When someone just goes, rah, at you. Here she comes. Not that my wife ever does that. (laughs) Hello, darling. Just said, as I saw you. How do you respond when someone hurts you? Now, let's have a bit of fun. What I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and answer this question. What does a poor response to hurt look like? Have a bit of fun with this. Turn to the person next to you. Go. All righty. What do you got? What do you got? You like your answers? 
What does a poor... Andrew, Martin's got one. What do you got? Smack him in the mouth. Smack him in the mouth. Who thinks that's a poor response? No. Oh, no. Yes. Another one. Another one. Huh? Revenge. That's a poor response. Revenge. And money and go shopping. Someone else? Bottle it up. Wishing death upon them. Saskia. I'm sorry, you need to say it again. Quiet down, please, everyone, so Saskia can speak. She has something very wise to say. That is it, everything. Yeah, bitterness. Really good, making assumptions. Say that again, Nikki. Talk to other, like I just did. Talk to other people about what they did to you. Someone else? Did I see a hand? We need you have a hand up. I don't care. Who's that? Is that Angela? Go. Welcome to Jake, by the way. Angela and Stephen's baby. Jake, welcome, you guys. Great to have you guys here. Call them a name. They're an idiot. I've done that, man. I've done that. Go. Start a rumor. Start a rumor. Start a rumor. Blow up. How about this one? Blow up their letterbox. That's one of my favorites. Here we go. Talk to the person. Oh, one more here. Go, Sam. Not bringing it to God. Oh, holy man answer. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. Let's have some more fun here. What does a courageous response to hurt look like? Turn to the person next to you. What does a courageous response to hurt look like? All righty. What have we got, you guys? Let's come back together. He's got some answers. What have you got, Jess? Oh, that's good. Respectful confrontation. Respectful confrontation. Bring it to God. Bring it to God while shopping. That's good. Thank you. Someone else? Forgiveness. There's a good answer. Sympathize. Right. That's really good. So hurt people hurt people. So if you're hurting, you can easily go and hurt someone. Really good. Someone put here. Vulnerable, really good. Sam. Pray for those that persecute you. Really good, Dave. Yeah, actively forgive the person and mentally become sure. Um, mentally make sure you don't become bigger. I, I come up with some answers. Here's, a, here's some things I came up with. Is recognize your part in it. Yeah, that's right. Recognize your part in it. Say sorry for your part. You, you, you usually do something wrong too. I do something wrong. Choose to forgive and choose to move forward. Mm, let's get on with it. Choose to move forward. This morning I want to take you to the book of Philemon where we have a massive bust up. Philemon is one of the smallest letters in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And it's written to a guy named, what do we call him? Philemon, Philemon? Phil. 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 We're going to Phil. Right. This is written to a guy named Phil. And the Apostle Paul writes to Phil about a guy named Onesimus. Onesimus. We okay with that one, everybody? Onesimus. And Onesimus has done the wrong thing by Phil. And they separated, busted up. Onesimus gets saved, and the Apostle Paul says, Hey, Phil, even though he's hurt you, 
I want him to come back and be mate. I want you guys to be mates again. Phil and Anisimus being mates again. That's pretty much the letter of. That's pretty much the letter of the book of Phil. Phil has three main. The book of Phil has three main characters in it. The first character is the Apostle Paul. The second is Phil, and the third is Anisimus. Here's some details about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 8, we're told that he was a persecutor of the church. He was a Jewish religious leader, and he was out there to get Christians, but he has this radical conversion in Acts chapter 9. And God says, I'm going to send you, Apostle means sent one, sent one to the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning people who aren't Jews. Paul radically radically converted, and God sends him out to preach the message of Jesus to people who aren't Jews. We're told in this letter, in the the letter of uh, Phil, that Paul led Phil to Jesus in verse 19. We're also told that Paul led Onesimus to Jesus in verse 10, and Paul's just a legend. Like he is, he is, he wrote half the New Testament. He is a dead set legend. That's character one. Character two is Phil. Phil is described by the Apostle Paul as a, as a person who has love for people. That's verse five. He's a person who has faith in Jesus. He partners with Paul in the preaching of the gospel. He's, he refreshed people's heart by his love for them. So there's four things about Phil that says he's a fair-income Christian. He's a good guy. He loves people. We're also told, told about Phil that, that, this, that he was a leader of, of a church that met in his home. Him and a couple of other people ran a church that met in his home. In, in his home. He's a Christian leader. The third, char- the third character is Anisimus. First thing, about, first thing you need to know about Onesimus is that he was a runaway slave of Phil. Now, at, at the time in the culture, slavery was common. And um, when we think slavery today, we think it's really bad. But it doesn't have to be really bad in the context of the, of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes that um, masters love your slaves and slaves love your masters. The idea of the slave was, was that they would come in and actually be part of the family, that they would be loved, cared for, supported. That's the best instance. But on the other side, there was horrible, horrible things for people in, in that situation. We can assume Onesimus was treated pretty well because Paul doesn't deal with Phil's behavior or how Phil treats Onesimus. He simply deals with Onesimus' behavior. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes Phil as a man of faith and a man of love, a good guy. But we're told that Phil, um, Onesimus, was a slave. He was part of the family. He belonged. He was owned, if you like. And then he took off. Now, that was a bad deal. And, and, and in the Roman Empire, if you're a slave, you ran off, you could have been killed for doing that. We, in verse 18, we can assume that Onesimus was a thief that he stole from Phil. He stole from his master. Then, in verse 10, we're told that Onesimus becomes a Christian. Somehow, Onesimus finds the Apostle Paul. We're not told how he finds the Apostle Paul, but we're told that he finds him, and Paul preaches a message to him, and he gets saved. Verse 11, Onesimus was described as, Paul describes him to Phil as he was useless which is actually what the word means. Onesimus means useless. But now that he's a Christian, he's become useful to me, Apostle Paul writes to me, but also to you. Paul wants to send him back to Phil, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Not Phil, Onesimus, but rather 
feel endonesimus like this. And I think that's all I've got. I want to now take you to the text. And I want us to read from verse, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read from verse 8 through 19. And I wanted to give you that background because when we read it, it will make a lot more sense to you. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to Phil. Here it is. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you, Phil, to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is writing from jail, most likely in Caesarea, verse 10, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. He calls him a son because he's a son in the faith. He's led him to Jesus. Who became my son while I was in chains, verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Verse 12. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Notice how Paul describes him? As my very heart. He carries what I carry. I have great concern for Onesimus. I love him very much. I want to send him back to you, Phil. Verse 13. I would have liked to keep him here with me so that he could take, care, that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would, but would be voluntary. Notice it doesn't say chapter 1. It says Philemon 12, 14, because there's only one chapter. should have said that. There's only one chapter. That's why there's no chapters, just verses. 12 through 14. Verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a while, for a little while, was that you might have him back forever. Verse 16. Important bit. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if, you consider me, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Boom. This is the Apostle Paul writing, the legend of the first century. He says, welcome him, this, this thief, this runaway slave, this person who's let you down, treated you poorly. Welcome him like you would me, a celebrity. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you, and then he does his little manipulation piece, not to mention that you owe me your very self because I led you to Jesus. Remember that? Remember that time I led you to Jesus? Um, You owe me your very self. This morning I want to look at three courageous responses. I want to look at three courageous responses. I want to look at Paul's courageous response, Anisimus' courageous response, and then Phil's courageous response. Let's look at the first one. Paul's courageous response to Anisimus. What is that courageous response? Here's what I think it is. Paul saw his potential in Christ. How would you feel, friends, if you meet someone for the first time and, they, and they're your next-door neighbor, they move into your life? or they've joined your small group, or they have joined the sporting club, or the, or, or, or the mums, mums gathering where the kids are in the little preschool group. Someone's joined the group. And you find out 
that they're a thief. You find out that they're not trustworthy because they've run away from their employer. They've let them down. They were part of a family with Phil and he just abandoned them. This person who's not trustworthy, he's a thief, he abandons people. And this person joins your group. How do you respond to that person? Do you keep them at arm's length? Do you go, I need to protect myself from this person? Or do you write them off and say, nah, I'm not going to go there with this person? How would you respond if Onesimus turns up into your world? Onesimus turned up into the the world of the Apostle Paul. As I said, we don't know how he got there. But Onesimus somehow connects with Paul. And Paul doesn't keep him at arm's length. Paul doesn't write him off. Rather, Paul sees his potential in Jesus. For Paul knows no one is too far gone to come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. No one is too sinful. No one has done too much wrong stuff. Everybody is a candidate for salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, if you think about this for a moment, you think to yourself, well, Paul, well, he was, a, he was a bad dude. He was like fully bad. He, he went about killing Christians. Paul calls himself the worst of all sinners. So it would make sense for him not to write someone off like Onesimus. He was just a thief who just wasn't trustworthy, just let someone down. He wasn't as bad as Paul. But most of us aren't Christian killers. Most of us have got decent lives. And it's easy for us to compare and to judge and to write people off. But that is not God's best. His best is that we see potential in every single person that they can become a follower of Jesus. Here's a question for you. Three courageous responses, three questions for you this morning. Here's the first one. Who have you written off? Who's that person in your life you went, nah, not going there, not doing that. They couldn't possibly become a Christian. No point sharing with them. No point investing in them. Too far gone. I reckon the early church, we have that story in Acts chapter 9 where Paul gets converted and then God speaks to Ananias in a dream and says, Ananias, I need you to do something for me. Paul, or Saul, that was his name before God changed his name in Acts 13 to Paul, Saul has just become a follower of Jesus, and I'm sending him to you. And Ananias says, no way. He's the guy who kills Christians. I'm not going to talk to him. I reckon the early church, when they heard that Paul, that Saul was out there killing Christians, I reckon they would have written him off and said, he's too far gone. But God saved him. I reckon Phil would have thought Onesimus was too far gone. But God saved Onesimus. And your friends and family might have thought that you were too far gone, but friends, God saved you. Don't write people off. We've been doing Alpha, and man, it's been awesome. It's been, I've had a group in my house. It's just been so much fun, and those videos are incredible. I'm so much looking forward to what happens after Easter. We're going to put the plan together this week of how we're going to do it. We're going to open it up to our friends and family. My prayer for you is that you are, or my encouragement 
is that you pray and say, God, who do you want me to invite to this Alpha thing? We've got to work out where we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. Um, it's going to be very exciting. And as I think about people who I want to invite, I'm thinking of two people in particular. I want to invite my street. I've said that to you guys. That's my, my courageous card. But I'm, I'm also going to invite the, uh, the key dad to a part of my soccer team. And I'm thinking of two guys in particular, and I'm not going to use their names because just in case they listen to this recording. But I'm thinking about one of the dads. He comes come to my house, and I've had a number of conversations with Jesus. And he says that he, is, he's, he, he reads and he explores and he's read other religions, and he's still, still trying to work out this, this uh, Jesus thing. And I reckon that when I ask him to do Alpha, he's going to say yes. Yeah? I reckon he's going to say yes. But there's this other guy who lives in my street who's just not interested in Christianity. I've, I've, I've tried to talk to him about Jesus, and he's like, nah, not interested, thanks. Um, we, he doesn't bring it up, sort of keeps it at arm length. That's something, something that, where he doesn't want to go. And it will be easy for me to write him off. And think to myself, well, he hasn't been interested in the past. He's not going to be interested now, so I'm not going to ask him. But if, but if I pray for him, and God touches his heart, and opens his heart, with God anything's possible. With God anything's possible. So when you start to think about your family and friends who you're thinking about inviting to do Alpha, I don't think they'll say yes. Ask him anyway. Pray for them and then ask him anyway. You might be surprised if you think the ones who you think are going to say yes, they, they might be the ones that say no. But let's not write people off. Let's see every person with potential to become a believer in Jesus. That's the first courageous response. Paul didn't write off Onesimus. He saw potential in him. The second courageous response is Onesimus' courageous response. Remember, Onesimus is the slave that's run away he treated Phil poorly. He stole from Phil. He's left him high and dry. He left the family, left the house. He left the connections that he's had, and he runs off. And Paul asks Onesimus to go back to the people he hurt, to go back to that household, to go back to that, to that, to that group and reconcile the relationship. Onesimus' courageous response was to going back to the people he hurt. Now put yourself in Onesimus' shoes for a moment. What do you think he'd be thinking? You want to have a crack, Ethan? Go for it. What do you got? Sorry? He'd be thinking, no way. Yeah, good response. No way. Saskia. Very vulnerable. What else, what else could he think? This is not going to end well for me. Fear. That's right. So he could have been ex- executed by going back. How about this one? I wonder if they'd forgive me. Remember, Onesimus has become a Christian, and he knows Phil's a Christian. I wonder if they'd forgive me. I wonder if they'd let the past go. I wonder if they would see me not like I was, but like the way I am now. There were so many questions in Onesimus' mind, no doubt. So many fears, so many questions, so many 
things that he was not sure about, not guaranteed. And you know what? If he focused on the what-ifs, if he focused on fear, Anisimus was never going back. But rather, if Anisimus saw himself in his new self, meaning if he saw himself in the way that Christ now sees him, that the old is gone and the new has come, if he sees himself as someone who has been forgiven by God and someone who has been called to honour God in his life in every area, including relationships, well then, he could then courageously step out going, God, I'm not the man I was. I'm a new man and I'm going to go back and I'm going to honour and I'm going to ask, ask for forgiveness and I'm going to reconcile courageously because of what you've done in my life. It was a massive step for Anismus to go back. But if he saw himself as God sees him, not as the old person, not in what he's done in the past, but if he sees himself in who he is now, he could step courageously in to do the will of God for his life. That is to ask for forgiveness and reconcile that relationship. Here's the question for you this morning. Who do you need to go back to and say sorry? Oh, that's a hard question. Oh, I'll just sit in that for a few moments. Who do you need to go back to and say sorry? I reckon I've got a few people. God's done a, a massive work in my life in the last two weeks. Huge thing in my life. Um, don't think I'll share it today, but man, it's been big. But let me tell you a story from when I was 23. Um, I've shared with the church on a number of occasions that I, that I started going to dating relationships at the age of 17. I was too young. I was immature. It wasn't good. And I, in, and, and I went into these girlfriend, girlfriend relationships. What do you call them? Boyfriend, girlfriend? What do you call it? Huh? Dating. I went into these dating, thanks, girlfriend relationships. Doesn't sound right. These are dating relationships for what I could get out of it, not what I could give to it. It was selfish. It was all about me. So I'd go into the relationship. I would get what I want out of that relationship. And then after three months, I'd dump them. And then I'd find a new, a new young girl and I would date her. And then after three months, dump her. Bad. Hey, bad. Don't throw things. That was my old self, remember? Old, old past. And at the age of 23, God convicted me. Um, he challenged me that what I'd done was wrong and bad. So um, I sat down in the, in the church foyer and I got a pen and paper out and I wrote letters to all those girls saying, I, I was selfish, I treated you poorly, I'm sorry. And I sent it to them in the mail and stuff. I didn't hear anything back, as you'd imagine. That's just weird, isn't it? Weird. There you go. Jess is going to rip it up and throw it in the bin. It's most certainly true. Poor response. <laughs> and at the age of 23, that was as good as you get at 23, eh? Because I, I recognized I did the wrong thing. I had to say sorry. I wonder who it is for you. Who do you need to go back to and say sorry? Last one. Phil's courageous response. 
Paul asked Phil to welcome Anisimus back. And if Anisimus is anything like me, I'd be thinking, him? Don't you know what he did? He left us high and dry. He let me down. He's not trustworthy. He, he, he stole from me. Why would I possibly, why would I let him back? Why would I let him back? But then, if it feels anything like me, I'd think, oh, but hang on a second. I know that story of the prodigal son, <laughs> where the son treated his father like crap and then runs back. And how did the father respond? He embraces him, puts a feast on, kills the fattened cow, the most precious, gets the ring and puts it on his finger and welcomes him back into the family. And then maybe Phil thought about what God had done for him, that he was far from God, that he treated God very, very poorly. But even in that, God loved him so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to take the punishment that he deserved for his wrongdoing and be welcomed back. God chose to forgive him when he had done so much wrong to God. His courageous response was welcoming Onesimus back into his life. We don't know if he did it. The letter doesn't tell us that. But I can assume that he did. Here's a question for you this morning. Who do you need to welcome back into your life? This is deep stuff today, isn't it? Deep stuff today. This could be very painful for you this morning, I know that. And this, this could bring up stuff in the past that's horrible. I'm aware of that too. And if you're being stirred, that's, that's good. We want to create a place for God to move. A place where you feel safe. A place where you feel like you belong. A place where you can be vulnerable and say, God, here I am, move in me today. Who do you need to, go, who do you need to welcome back into your life? When I first started leading the church, there was a family that came um, who I'd known for years and years, and the father in the family was someone I looked up to um, that spoke into my life, who I got mentored by for a season. And he came to the church, and the church was not what he wanted. He wanted us to go more in this direction. I thought we should go this way, and he wanted to go this way, and, and we had a number of conversations about it and clashed and and he ended up leaving the church and was hurt and I was hurt and the relationship was busted up. And so after a few months, I suppose, um, I gave him a call and went to his house and we sat and we chatted and we said sorry, both said sorry. Um, and we talked about how do we move forward. Now, this person's not part of our church. He goes to another church, which is awesome. And we're nowhere near as close as what we were, but we've been to birthday parties and... And we can talk well and I can give him a call and, 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 and it's okay. It's not as good as it was, but, but it's okay. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, but now it's okay. And so there's people in your world that you've hurt, that they've hurt you. It might be a friend, it might be a child, a son or daughter, it might be a parent, uncle, auntie, work colleague, neighbour, Sporting club. Who is that person you need to welcome back into your life?
Three questions this morning. Here they are. Number one was, who have you written off? Who do you need to go back to and say sorry? And who do you need to welcome back into your life? Which one of those questions resonated with you the most today? Show me, give me one finger, two fingers, or three fingers. Which one resonated, number one? One, 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 two, one, three, one, two, three, one. Is that a one or is that a scratch? That's definitely a scratch, isn't it? Three, one, three, one, two, three, three. You know, to finish, when we, when we talk about relationships, this stuff can be really, really tough. Um, and it can bring up a lot of stuff in the past and a lot of the pain. And the reality is God wants us to forgive. And God wants us to reconcile. And I know that reconciliation is not always possible. It's very, very important that I say that. Sometimes it's not safe for you to go there or things just can't be like they were. But you can still forgive in that moment. You may not hang out with a person like you used to, but you can still forgive and release and let go. But what it reminds me of is what God has done for us in his son Jesus. Just like Onesimus did the wrong thing by Phil, we've all done the wrong thing by God. We've let him down. We treated him poorly. We stole the worship, because we wanted to worship ourselves rather than him. Just like Onesimus, we've let, just like Onesimus let Phil down, we've let God down. Just like Paul saw potential in Onesimus, God saw potential in me and you. He saw and loved and chose to send his son Jesus to reconcile us, to call us out to all that song to bless us, to anoint us, to empower us, to be living for his glory. And just like Phil, we can assume, welcomed Anissimus back, God has welcomed us back into relationship with him because of the death of his son. If you want to learn about relationships, look at what God has done for us in his son Jesus. We were far from him. And he welcomed us back. Imagine a life where you don't carry the hurt of the past, the bitterness of the past. Imagine a life where you're quick to forgive all you number ones, where you, where you don't, sorry, that's the second one, the forgiveness one, number one. Imagine a life where you don't write people off and you go, no, I see potential in him. I believe that person become a Christian. And you pray for them and you believe for them and you share with them and you invite them to Alpha and you see them get their life transformed by God. Imagine. Two, imagine a life where you're not carrying baggage of hurt. You're not carrying the, 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 the stuff of what people have done to you. You have released it. You've let it go. And imagine a life where you can walk into any room have any conversation because you're okay with people. There, are, there aren't places that you can't go. There aren't conversations you can't have. There's not people that you can't meet because you have reconciled. Imagine a life like that. That is what God wants for us.